Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Tom Colicchio. I'm a chef, restaurateur, food advocate, and the host of the new podcast called Citizen Chef on iHeartRadio. People might turn on the news and see stories about the pandemic, immigration, or healthcare. I see stories about food. On this podcast, we'll tour the current political climate, looking for inroads to food wherever we can find them, from labor to disaster relief. Listen to Citizen Chef on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for Couples Therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's Where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies Talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling To messy situations and conscious and coupling From Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu Text, sex, regrets, so feeling on your new jubu They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah Needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it It's up, up, up. Welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Andy. I am Naomi, and we are a real-life couple, a real-life couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we bring you the very best sets from our live show, where comics do sets together about their relationship, and we give you some fun, fun, sweet, in-studio guests. You raced through that, Naomi, like you were a speed racer, plus the Micro Machines Man. Oh my god, I wish I could be Micro Machines Man. You were- <laughs> I wish I could be Micro Machines Man. I was gonna say, have you had a lot of caffeine? We are, we're pretty hyped. We're, you know, we tape these intros sometimes after we do the full show. We just talked to our friend Baron Vaughn. Yes, Baron Vaughn is amazing. You may know him as one of the co-hosts of the New Negroes, which is on Comedy Central airing Friday nights at 11 p.m. Baron is also a an actor, and you've seen him on shows like Grace and Frankie, the new MST3K on Netflix, and Comedy Central's Corporate. Yeah. So, uh, and he, he's an uh, old friend of yours. I would say a newer friend of mine. I've known him well for a couple years. We are, are I, I feel like my heart sinks with his. Yeah, you guys are pun friends. You're yeah. pun huns. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you know? So that's your uh, vibe. My anaconda don't want none. Unless, unless you got, got puns, hun. I was thinking it. <laughs> I was literally thinking it. And I thought, should uh, I say that? But um, uh, yes. It's why you and I are in love, Naomi. <laughs> Um, so we had a really good talk with Baron, but before we get into it, we want to give you some sweet, sweet deets and dates, baby. Deets and dates. Deets Should and... we call this section deets and dates from now on? Yeah, deets and dates. I think you have set a precedent, Naomi. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, of course, uh, come to our live show if you live here in Los Angeles, Couples Therapy Live at the Virgil, the first Saturday of every month. The next one is June the first, we got some great people on. You may know Yasser Lester. You may know Alice Wetterland. You may know Lyric Lewis from AP Bio. Yeah, so we have a cavalcade of stars for the next show. Also, um, if you are listening to this on the day it drops, tomorrow, May 15th, you can catch me doing a long set at Dynasty Typewriter here in Los Angeles. Deborah DiGiovanni will be opening. It's going to be a really fun show. Nice, right and tight, like 65 minutes in and out. Um, so, you know, tickets are $10 in advance, 15 day of show. So, you know, try to hit that button tonight. On That's the a solid in advance, Naomi, because usually the in advance, when you actually like add in whatever the ticket fee is, it yeah. doesn't matter. I know, it's who like the same. Who fucking gives a shit? Yeah, that's what I said. I care about so much, I swore. But that's a solid savings. Exactly. $10 in advance, 15 day of, so you know what you got to do. So we're going to have a really good time. I really want people to come and laugh and have fun. We're going to live our best lives. 
Um, also, guys, as always, if you would like us to answer any relationship questions you may have about your friends, about your lovers, about your roommates, whatever, call in, all right? Holler at us at 323-524-7839, and we will play your question on the show and answer it, usually with a wonderful in-studio guest. Yeah, we're doing an advice episode very soon, so please call in and ask us questions. You know what? I'll even... I'll even open up. Ask whatever questions you want. You want us to Anything. answer something factual? Anything. We, we got the internet. We can get <laughs> answers for you. Whatever you need to know. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you want to get tickets to the live show, go to CouplesTherapyPod.com. Also, while you're there, we have a Patreon. Naomi and I record two extra episodes a month live from our <laughs> – taped live from our apartment, which no longer is filled with ants. It's like really sun-filled and beautiful, so yeah. we're in a good space. So yes. if you want to hear an episode where Andy and I are in a good space, lounging on our new couch, talking about love and life. We kind of dig into things a little deeper, talk about things that maybe we're not allowed to talk about <laughs> here. Uh, it's only $5. I feel like that is a bargain. Yeah. It's a bonus apps. Yes. As we say, it's less than a sack of Moz sticks. Yeah. Oh, God. They should come by the sack. By the way, thank you to every listener that sends me mozzarella stick information, <laughs> pictures of mozzarella sticks. <laughs> uh, you are speaking straight to my heart, and I appreciate you all. I pre- Look, I appreciate all of the listeners. But you feel particularly seen when yes. someone gives you that sweet, sweet Moz stick info. Yeah. So thank you. Um, I think that's about it, right? Yeah. So you guys. Oh, one final bit of information. Who's on the new Negroes this Friday? Me! You! So, first of all, (laughs) you should watch it because it's a great show, and I love Mike and Baron a lot. And Samus, who actually did our theme song, she's also on the show as well. Holy shit! So, I mean, it's all the people you need to know. Yeah. And I'm, yes, on this Friday's episode of the new Negroes, episode five, you can see little bits of my stand-up. So it'll be fun, guys. All right. But for now... Let's talk to Baron. Roll it. Baron. Yes. How are you feeling today? I'm, Where are you in your heart of hearts, in your stomach of stomachs? Ooh, um, in my heart of hearts, I'm feeling okay. One ventricle is kind of weird. Uh, Give and, us the play-by-play on all four ventricles. Okay. On, on two ventricles and two, what's the other ones? Atrium. Ooh, is that what it is? Yeah. Atrium so. and ventricles. Thank and you. then the aorta. Yep, connects it. Yep, gets <laughs> Hooray, it Hooray, high school. <laughs> Yay Orta. Yeah, oh, yay Orta. <laughs> there you go. That's funny. That's at, when I was in medical school. That's. <laughs> Did you go to medical school? <laughs> no. Oh, I, my parents wish. They are so desperate. They were. They would have loved a doctor in mm. the family. Isn't that what everybody wants? They think they want yeah. a doctor in the family. I mean, I literally do because of all my ailments. You know oh, what I mean? I'd yeah. love just like a good GP on call, no copay. But which kind of doctor do you need? A physical doctor? Oh, one of the mine. <laughs> I'll take them both. I'll take them both. Can I get a psychologist and a neurologist married to each other? <laughs> get my answers anyway. Is that the next part of our life, Naomi? We each get a degree. We leave this life behind. Yes. Yes, 52-year-old doctor. Just starting out. <laughs> but I'm setting my ways. Baron, where you at? What's going on? Yeah, sorry. We... Baron's bopping. Baron's wearing a no. wonderful um, bomber. Little, little His bomber. bombers are always right on time. I um, uh, and I live. I appreciate that. Um, no, where where am I? I'm just enjoying. I was just enjoying watching this <laughs> unfold in front of me. You know, like a like a season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Fun fold. Uh, fun to watch this yay orda fun fold in front of me. <laughs> um. Anyway, I how am I uh doing? Um. Yeah, I'm just kind of run down, I guess you could say. Um, lots been going on. I um, slow energy, but that had a lot has a lot of that has to do with waking up early, whether I like it or not, um, because of babies. And uh, you got a baby, baby. Uh, uh, he's one and a half, my son. Mm-hmm. And so, but I go to bed late, and this is the number one difficulty I have found transitioning from comedian with stupid hours <laughs> to parent with uh, stupid hours. It's just the opposite <laughs> side of the day, right? Because I'm used to staying up all night, and even if mm-hmm. I didn't have a set, it's like, you know, uh, midnight to 3 a.m. is mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? That time when no one's texting, you can yeah. watch whatever kung fu movie, no one's judging <laughs> you, doesn't matter if it's kickbox or vengeance. 
Um, <laughs> where you're like, like Christopher Lambert and Jean-Claude Van Damme and the dude who played the mountain in Game of Thrones. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I just, re- I just, uh, uh, vengeance is the second one. Retaliation is the third. Um, so. Thank you for fact checking yeah. yourself. Uh, no one write in at us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, fact checkers. Yeah, All right, exactly. Twitter fact checkers. There's someone listening to like, Jean-Claude Van Damme. He got it wrong. <laughs> People on the Reddit threads. <laughs> Stop yelling at Baron. Reddit.com slash couples therapy pod slash fact check. For once, please stop fact checking me. Um, Yeah, so, um, I, but going from that to he's up at six or seven. Today he woke up at 545. Oh, With a handful Jesus. of Gerbers. <laughs> a handful of Gerbers. A handful of Gerbers. Just, he would just Wet. sleep <laughs> drunk on applesauce. <laughs> Just a Gerber baby. Um, what does he want at five forty-five? Nothing is happening. He wants out and up. He wants like and he's like entertained. Like he's active. Yes, because Ugh. he's in a crib and the crib has you know a gate essentially around it, mm-hmm. so he can't fall out. But now he's at the age where he wakes up and then he. I wake up to him standing, essentially shaking the crib as if these are his prison bars. Like <laughs> let me out of here. I'm awake. Like Back to the Future. Basically, I just got to this life. I want to see things. Wake up. Except um, it, what he's saying, that's what I think he's saying. But what he's saying is, ah, ah, just screaming until one of us is like, all right, who's getting up? Are um, babies just scream? Like, is it an existential yell? Like, what's go- what the fuck is this life? Is that what that, all that is? Well, that's what's actually really interesting about having a kid. I think that's a big thing that people who don't have kids or – um, are thinking about it. They're like, well, how am I going to be able to tell like all of these cries? Yeah. It, and that's the thing. Like you would assume that cries all sound the same, but they don't, you know, there's a tone of voice to every cry, especially once they start getting to a place where they're developing before they talk. Cause he doesn't talk yet, but I can tell like some things are, I'm annoyed. Some things are, I'm uncomfortable. Some things are like, I was doing something. So it's kind <laughs> of like, like sometimes he's playing with something and I pick him up so he will stop because it's something he shouldn't be playing with. And most of the time he's like, what? I was playing. It's basically like Dustin Hoffman. Like, I was walk- I'm walking here. <laughs> That's what that cry is. Then he has the cries that are sort of like he doesn't know what it is, but he doesn't know how to communicate. So all he can do is make noise. But sometimes he's tired or in a bad mood or hungry or his teeth are coming in and he's just uncomfortable. So then he's just crying, but you can't do anything about it, which, by the way, is very difficult, where you just have to look at them. They're crying, <laughs> oh. and you just have to be like, well, I, there's literally nothing I can, I can't make your teeth come in. <laughs> Not yeah. painful. I just have to look at you and let you know, I'm here. I am here, bro. I'm here. Oh, that's love. By the way, 6 a.m. cowboy. 6 a.m. There you go. Hey. <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to. Midnight cowboy. I get it. I get it now. For breaking it down. I'm pooping here. I'm pooping here. <laughs> Such a mess. Um, um, so here's the thing. Yes. You guys have been friends for a while. Yeah, we've known each other for quite a, quite a long time. Yes. I'm a little curious about y'all's friendship. Ooh, turning it inward. I'm turning the, yes, turning the camera. <laughs> turning it inward. Wait like a minute. A, turning like a, it inward? That sounds racist now. <laughs> turning it inward. Someone said you have to look inward. I'm like, uh, what'd you just say to me? <laughs> Um, that's so stupid. That's so stupid. <laughs> and I'm going to do it on stage. Um, <laughs> I will do it on stage. So, I'm sorry, Andy, you were saying. You guys have been friends for a while. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now I heard. Tell me. Through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. Which is before we started this podcast. Yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, we did a pre-interview. Yes. <laughs> have you been on Conan before? Uh, yeah, I have. Did but you do a pre-interview? No. <laughs> Because I wasn't doing, he, I wasn't doing panel. I was just doing oh, stand up. He didn't shove Andy Richter out there and be like, "Just ask him some fucking questions." <laughs> no, that didn't happen. By the way, I nailed Conan's voice perfectly. That was there. good. That was good. You're like really good at the impression. Annoyed Conan. That was that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, uh yes, yeah, so the pre-interview, uh, where we just said, "Hey, we're going to talk about this stuff." How's that strike you? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, wait, you guys. How did, how did you first become friends? I don't want to even tip the we hat a had little a, bit. Well, a mutual friend of ours, someone I went to college with, mm-hmm. who you knew because you- Went to a, a, a over a overbroad, is what I wanted to say. <laughs> um, um, what are they called? Like when you go abroad for a yeah, semester? Yeah, studied abroad. Studied abroad, yes. A broad city. <laughs> a broad city study overboard. <laughs> we were, I pushed her, she pushed me overboard. I woke up with amnesia. Right. And she's like, you're in college. I'm like, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> Eugenio Debrez. Um <laughs> But um, I went to Boston University, 
And across the street was this house that this mutual person grew up in. Mm -hmm. So her mother would rent out uh, her attic to theater students. And I went over there because I had to rehearse a scene with somebody that was living there. And that's how I met her mom, who's from Las Vegas. And then her and I started talking. Mm, there it is. And I kind of became friends with her mom. Then junior, my junior year of college, I'm at the airport. She's like, this is my daughter. She's going to the BU program. You're going to hang out with her in London. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I guess, I guess so. You've told me about this person. And then uh, in London, we actually did end up hanging out and ended up liking each other a lot. Um, we became friends. I ended up hanging out in Boston for the summer. And I knew no one, but she's from there. And Boston is a ghost town in the summer. Oh, okay. Especially for like college age people because everyone leaves, right? Mm -hmm. So I ended up hanging out with her a lot and we just, you know, like talked and walked and chatted. And she told me a lot about a friend of hers <laughs> that she had that she thought uh, she could pair me up with. I didn't see, I didn't hear the pair. She it was just like, you should know Baron because he also does comedy. And like, of course, I think I was probably also talking to her about daddy issues. And she goes, sounds like Baron. And I go, okay, <laughs> your black friend who has a, who has an absent father? Well, here's the thing. I think that there was a point where she was like, I think you guys could be in a relationship or I think you guys are good. <laughs> but I think there was a point where it was so long but since she had said something like that. Yeah. that she's like, you should just meet. I just think you'll like each other. I don't need, uh, no, no, no judgments, no calls on, on, on anything. And then we met at, it was funny though, because it was at Whiplash at UCB and we hadn't met, like, again, we both heard about each other mm -hmm. and you were there and like literally I stopped like, Baron. You know what I mean? Like, I Is knew... that what you did? You pointed at me? Yeah, I was like, Baron. Baron. <laughs> I was like, you are the one. You will never have children. I was like, Baron. <laughs> Bell to the buttercup or whatever the heck <laughs> that reference is. Um, I don't remember that. It was. I remember it was at UCB. I met you. It was mm. like the late, again, that late show. You were doing your work. You know what I mean? You what? were hurting your Was craft. it a Monday night? It was yes. Whiplash. It was yeah, Whiplash. it was a late Whiplash, night yeah. Monday night. And I don't even think, I think maybe I was like, had seen the previous show. I just told you that you were at the bar. Were you doing stand-up yet? Because I feel like I met you before you were doing stand-up. Right, stand -up. I don't think I was yet. So all you had in common was daddy issues. <laughs> and being black. Yes, <laughs> and being very theatrical. People are always introducing black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, white people who know a black person are always like, you should be this other black person I know. <laughs> just like, all right, I guess. Well, but was it, was it friendship at first sight? So originally it was supposed to be a setup. You were that's supposed what, to be that's set the way it was up together, to but yeah, but so many moons ago. Yeah, but it was like mm -hmm. nothing ever took. Yeah. So it, I guess the pressure was off. I don't know. We're just your friends. Well, you know, nothing ever took. Was there ever a, <laughs> hold on, hold on, shut up. Oh, this is hold what on. Andy's don't be getting trying at. To make. This is what Andy's getting at. Look, was there we, ever an attempt? Andy, we planted seeds, but they didn't grow. Wait, no. I mean, uh, no. We deposited money. Wait a minute. That's the wrong. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't like any of these verbs. <laughs> All these examples are horrible. <laughs> Um, these no. verbs, these metaphors. Andy, look at me. <laughs> Nothing ever. <laughs> but there's no, no you don't have to look at him. Look at me. Who you gonna believe? You, but you're both saying the same thing. <laughs> so now, now I'm thinking there's more under the surface. There's definitely not more. Like literally nothing, but now it's just like fun. To it's just fun, <laughs> yeah. It's just fun to mess with you. Because it's so awkward. It's beautifully <laughs> awkward. Welcome back to beautifully awkward. <laughs> I don't know. We're adults. I don't think. Oh, please. You're awkward. Oh, God, Barrett, you were- Are you talking about awkwardness or jealousy? Because he's talking about jealousy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why'd you, you- That was- the, You decided- You, you sidestepped the thing I was talking about and then negged me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was just trying to get you off track. You know, get you off balance with a little nag. And then you're like, what? Mm. Yes, most housewives nag. Mine negs. <laughs> I'm not a housewife. I don't do you enough guys, labor to be a housewife. Nog it off. All right. That's, I'm sorry. I should save that one for Christmas. But like you had that. But at the time we met, you know, you've been doing stand up a little while. You were like. Yeah, I have no idea. You what were a you... nice comic who was like nice to the other young black comics out in those streets. Oh, in New York. Is that what you was that unique? <laughs> I, I, I think so. At the time. Like for any for any like male comic to be nice and not be like. Uh, lecherous? Yeah, to not have an ulterior motive Skechers. about the nice. You know? Yeah, not be sketchery, not be lechery. Um, but I was like, that. I just remember that. That was a big deal. That was an important, delicate gift. Oh, you thank, know what I mean? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Your legacy. The <laughs> <laughs> legacy will be tarnished after this podcast. <laughs> but it's like a lot of, I don't know, was that ever like a conscious thing for you? You know, being like, 
I gotta know the black folks. I gotta like, you know what I mean? Connect or was it just the natural? Yes, way? yes. It it kind of like because you know the other thing is that for me, like when I was starting doing comedy, like the the if you will, the segregation of comedy scenes was much more stark than it is now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I came up in a scene where comedians weren't um, exposed, if you will, to anybody else, any other kind of comedy or any other comedians around the country, unless they physically were in a room with them. Mm-hmm. So in New York, there were there was the alt scene, and I'm talking second wave alt, <laughs> which was the one that I was in. So I would say there were three waves of alt. And then the fourth wave is the dissolution of the idea because alt is mainstream now. I yeah. mean, Zach Galifianakis is a movie star. That's right. some comedian that you walked into a basement and you're like, what the hell is happening in here? <laughs> yeah. This is incredible. It's like, oh, that guy's in movies, right? Yeah. Or Sarah Silverman or somebody like that who is an alt person, quote, quote, alt, but it doesn't really exist anymore as a style. I guess it kind of exists as a style, as an influence, but not as its own scene, that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so second wave alt for me was Rafifi in the East Village. And uh, it was yes. like Eugene Merman had a show. Um, Nick Kroll and Jesse Klein had a show. And then Jesse left. And then it was Nick and um, uh, Mulaney. Mulaney. Yes. So those were like the shows that were major. And I kind of stumbled into that scene. So it was pretty. It was a pretty white scene. There weren't yeah. any black people in it but me and Jordan Carlos. And then <laughs> at some point Hannibal moved to New York. <laughs> Then Reggie Watts like materialized from whatever planet <laughs> from an alternate dimension. he was in. Right. Then Eric Andre showed up. Then it was kind of like there started to be more black people in the alt scene. Mm-hmm. But then also we were trying to do our own shows because obviously we were not booked at all those shows all the time. Mm-hmm. So then there's clubs, there's bringers, there's open mics, there's crap rooms in Queens and Brooklyn and the Bronx and Staten Island that we were all kind of at, if that makes any sense. So... When I found black people inside of that, I did kind of like, oh, good, because I wasn't really going to the quote unquote black rooms. Mm-hmm. I went a couple times and I knew a lot of those comics, especially once I started to run my own shows and I was mm-hmm. wanted to get those comics on my shows. Yeah, Because mm-hmm. I feel like in my brain, the, the inception of our friendship was meeting again. I always think like when I think of the Naomi I know now that I got when I started to get to know you was when... Um, the awkward comedy show happened. Yeah. Which is sort of like um, pre-New Negroes. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, yeah. it was a different version of New Negroes, which was a different version. Uh, the awkward comedy show, Victor Varnado directed it, and it was Eric, Andre, me, Hannibal, um, Victor did stand up, and Marina Franklin hosted. And you came, mm-hmm. and you came with a different friend of yours. Yes. Um, Who's this different friend? A Swedish friend. Yes. Well, you came with a different friend you went to college with who had this yes. childhood friend from Sweden yeah. who I ended up dating. Yes, <laughs> you, t- you took a lover. For um, a couple of years, actually. Why um, don't we get into that we'll do- right after a break? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, it's Bobby Bones. I host The Bobby Bones Show, and I'm pretty much always sleepy because I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. A couple hours later, I get all my friends together, and we get into a room, and we do a radio show. We share our lives, we tell our stories, we try to find as much good in the world as we possibly can, and we look through the news of the day that you'll care about. Also, your favorite country artists are always stopping by to hang out and share their lives and music, too. So wake up with a bunch of my friends on Big 104.7 in Pittsburgh, or wherever the road takes you on the iHeartRadio app. And we're back from this break. Okay, so honestly, before you guys uh, wrote down the promo codes for whatever we were trying to sell you, we were talking about Baron taking a Swedish lover briefly. Well, well there's a lot of stuff I want to I want <laughs> to delve into. We don't have to, to, don't have to know, get into that. Get that. No. So, However, okay. specifically, well, the the segregation of when you said like it's less segregated now, I'm like it seems super segregated now still. Well, and I feel so like, I'm like how how fucking like 1950s. Jim Crow was it in the comedy scene ten I mean, years ago? I mean, pretty. It was pretty stark. I mean, like alt shows were pre, pretty much all white, and the audience was right. all white. And then it kind of started to change once myself and a couple of these other comics that I uh, mentioned showed up, because then more black people started coming to the shows. People who weren't white or black started coming to the shows. Yeah. You know, uh, and then there were comedians that weren't white or black <laughs> that were doing the shows <laughs> as well, like Kumail Nanjiani, for instance. So it's kind of like. 
And then, I don't know, I, I, there was a sea change, it felt, and this is what the thing that became the quote-unquote third wave to me was. Third wave halt. Yes, <laughs> which is the Hannibal, Kumail, Pete Holmes sort of era, uh-huh. where it's kind of like, and Mulaney, where those people became huge and sort of became, if you will, the name brands of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm leaving people out, of course, because that's n- impossible to not do. Uh, double negative? <laughs> Uh, it's possible to do <laughs> instead of impossible they, to not they, do. Oh, I'm with okay. you. I'm with you. I'm on board this train. Zan not do? Okay. Toot, toot. Um, I got, got lost in my own pun. Uh, what the heck was I talking about? And- You're talking about how <laughs> crashing became the... <laughs> well, actually, I think that is that the show Crashing is Pete trying to depict that era at that time with his ascension and mm-hmm. the people that were around him. It, it's weird to me. I mean, obviously he's fictionalized it, but he's also he's also putting it in today's comedy scene. And to me, there's a lot of circumstances that um, he couldn't get into because the world is very different. Yeah. yeah. My pitch is that it should have been a period piece. It should have taken place right after 9-11, like literally 9-12, he moves to the city. Mm-hmm. And that somehow it's also um, a mystery and that he's like <laughs> trying, he, he's not only like building his comedy career, but he's also trying to unravel who the who the people that perpetrated 9/11 were? Whoa! And they're wrapped up together, and he f- eventually finds you know he he's the author of the report that shows that uh, Saudi Arabia uh, uh, backed Osama bin Laden. Wow! And but also, and that's when he also gets the Pete Holmes show. This the first talk <laughs> show. And then the, the name is time. a reference to the fact he's like, and that's why those planes were, were crashing, crashing into. Yes. Exactly, exactly, yes. How dumb is this? I did not think, when I said that, (laughs) I literally didn't think of that. I was just thinking about what what happened in the early 2000s that I could peg to. Well, you freaking springboarded the shit out of that. (laughs) You you broke story, you gave us a season arc. (laughs) This, uh, hey, you know what? That's improv, guys. (laughs) Third beats, it all came together. I wish every improv show ended with somebody going, that's improv, guys. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like this is what it is see ya <laughs> but wait you were talking about how yeah well cause wasn't it Awkward Kings of Comedy the awkward, show, right awkward no well it was originally Awkward Kings of Comedy okay yeah you probably came to a show that was called that okay. and then we had to change the name oh. Steve Harvey see you no Latham Entertainment Ooh. the people who produced the original Kings of Comedy the Spike Lee yeah. directed seminal comedy event with yeah. Steve Harvey D.L. Yeah. Hughley Cedric the Entertainer Oh, who I wrote jokes for? I said Cedric. Cedric the Entertainer and Bernie Mac. I wrote wrote jokes for Cedric the Entertainer. To Cedric? Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Um, Now, they copyrighted the phrase Kings of Comedy. Mm -hmm. So, I don't even know. How about a patents thing? They they patented it. (laughs) No, remember? What was the one with him and Maria Bamford and Brian Posehn and Zach Oh, the Comedians of Comedy. Oh, so that's okay. That's okay. So, you could say... Of comedy, but you can't be the blank kings of comedy. Exactly. Uh, so apparently they don't tell people this and they wait for them to use the phrase <laughs> and then sue them. And that's why we had to change the name. <laughs> Just a fun revenue Because stream. he had found that the, this, the Latin kings of comedy had to go through this. And so oh. it was kind of like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I don't know if that's still the case at the time that was the case. Yeah. So it ended up changing the title to The Awkward Comedy Show. Okay. I hope I hope legally I can say everything that I just said. <laughs> But then, it's public. It's public knowledge. But was that for you? Like, was that the first seed? As you said, it's almost like the. Was that the first seed of like I want to do an all black comedy show? That kind of became not the first seed. Rest. The first seed was because it's weird because obviously there was a black comedy scene. You know? Yeah, and this is the thing I think about a lot. There was a black comedy scene, um, but the comedy scene was also like, it was started by people who were much older than me, and I. I even felt this way. I felt this way about the black comedy scene. I felt this way about the alt comedy scene. I felt this way about club comedy, in which that everybody had an idea of the kind of comedian you're supposed to be yes. to be in this room. Yeah. And I wanted to be who I wanted to be, and mm-hmm. still be in all those rooms. Mm-hmm. And that was always a weird problem. Like if I was too weird in the black rooms, people looked at me strange. If I was too black at the alt rooms, people looked at me strange. And if I was too black and alty in the clubs, people were like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell's happening. <laughs> So it was kind of like, uh, I feel like I'm getting lost in the uh, the details of my history in New York. Well, because um, I think one of the th- two, the two, look, the two things we're interested in. A, w- where does the, not just the idea for New Negroes come from, mm-hmm. but uh, where does, well, you know, personally, I'm interested in how does the 
comedy scene become less just like weird whites and more accepting. And also I'm, I'm curious about, uh, you know, I, I think you either said this on mic or before we started talking. Uh, you either said this on Mike Eagle or before we started <laughs> talking. Uh, you said something about like you know you, new Negroes, You wanted to create opportunities for your friends, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, uh, you know, because this is a show about relationships and friendships. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about how you know how that worked, how that blossomed. I'm curious about what it, what it is to work with your friends mm-hmm. in some way. Uh, because Naomi and I work together <laughs> and are in love and find it challenging. Find it to be uh, find it to be actually like a um, uh, a detriment to our to our. I was our going love. to say the word detriment, and I said if I say it and he doesn't say it, it's going to seem harsh. So I'm glad you said it, and now we're on the same page. Well, you know, I, I'm of the mind sometimes. This is a very you know reductive statement, but like I'm of the mind sometimes that we should do our relationships more like our friendships. And our friendship's more like a relationships in the sense that when you're in a relationship with somebody, which I think is true of most people, especially me, okay, I can only talk for myself, you are basically in a state of being triggered in a kind of a way the entire time because you are emotionally invested in this person. Mm-hmm. You are emotionally invested in um, them feeling good and them not being mad at you. <laughs> and so sometimes that gets in the way because those priorities of navigating this loved person mm-hmm. can are so powerful because it's a it's an issue of coexistence you know is at is at stake here it's so powerful if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Powerful that it can override other things sometimes, which I guess is supposed to be about boundaries. A word that has been a been a word that I've been thinking about a lot the last year is boundaries. Really? Why is that? Yeah. Because I am a person who doesn't have many boundaries. And that's a result of my childhood and the way that I had to survive, which was to not have boundaries, to take in all of the information and the feelings of whoever this aggressive person is. I have to essentially become them to survive having to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And this was in my family of origin. This is my at-home life. It's a minefield. So to survive it, I have to literally have the feelings of this other person so that way um, they feel safe. Because if they feel safe and they don't feel threatened, then I'm going to be okay, which means that I fully, you know, never thought about my own feelings or my own wants or needs. So that way, this, this, uh, you know, that's why I'm a empath with quotes. <laughs> Another word I've been thinking about, and I hate that damn word. <laughs> I hate that word. 
uh, because a lot of people who have said it um, are people I hate. So, <laughs> like most people who's like, yeah. I'm an empath. I'm like, I want to. I wish you could feel how much I want to punch you. <laughs> I say it as a way to just like say I get attuned to people way too easily. Yes, and that's yeah. and that's what I have to. That's my baggage, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had I had to figure out that that's what that means, and that I do that. That I take someone else. I, it, the, sometimes the line between my feelings and this other person's I care about feelings is a blur. Yeah. And then we're all in an industry in which the lines are a blur. Right. Because it's a business, but it's also an art. And for us, our art is born of ourselves and Mm -hmm. our feelings and thoughts and lives. And then people who did not have those experiences are like, not good enough. And it's very (laughs) hard to put yourself out there on a personal level. Right. Because that is what we all have to do every single day. And then somebody who does not have to take the kind of risk that we have to take to become successful, to be like, nah. Right. And it's just, and so the boundaries of, you know, it's very easy in Hollywood, and I think this is the story of Hollywood, to take on how this city treats you as your identity. It's a true living hell. I found the last two years (laughs) to be terrible um, for that very reason. I realized recently I've been here long enough because I want to leave. I'm like, I officially want to leave Hollywood, which means I belong here right now. (laughs) I finally feel the feeling that most people in this city feel, which is like, fuck this place. I mean, I don't know where else I'm going to go, but there's some, and you know what? It's fucking sunny. It's it's (laughs) actually nice today. Fuck everybody. I'm going to the beach, getting a smoothie. Yeah. That's why people are so healthy here, because the environment is so toxic that you have to counteract that shit. (laughs) Well, you need some sense of control, right? The whole thing. I think that's why, like, crystals are big. Like, something to help you Mm. grasp onto, like, the bigness of the universe and the lack of control you have. Because I think you feel that even if you just, like, worked a regular-ass job. But then when your job is to be ultimately chosen by someone else, Mm -hmm. right? Waiting to be chosen. Even for all the work you can do on your own. And to be told, you have worth. Right. And that worth will be converted to dollars any day now. It's like, until that can happen, you're like, okay, well... I have to, I got to find a way to like get through this in between until someone makes that decision in a way that doesn't kill me. But I mean, you were talking about boundaries and stuff. Like, where would you say like, you know, you did hire not just the comics you have on New Negroes, you know, friends, comics you like, but also the room you hired were comics you knew and liked. Mm -hmm. And you were running that room. You know, how did you feel to be the boss of people who knew you? Personally, well, I mean, it's also the thing about you know, and this again, this is you know, it's tricky stuff, and I'm still figuring it out. It it, it relates back to what you said about like you know, back in New York, looking for black comics and being nice to younger comics, because I don't ever perceive myself as superior to somebody else, um, which serves me. It also gets in the way. Let me <laughs> let me say there are there are times that it gets in the way because it it makes me not see my status or what I have achieved Mm -hmm. because I still perceive myself as a person who's hustling and struggling at all times. So it's easy to assume that, to basically have a kinship with any person that is living in that situation, which is virtually every person in Los Angeles. Right. So I don't perceive myself as above anyone. And since I am not invested in no status games, I'm not invested in throwing my weight around, it's easier, it becomes easier at least, to communicate with people yeah. because then that triggered you know, state that we were talking about isn't present. Yeah. So it's like with my friends, you know, I got to work with Kevin Avery and Ellington Wells and um, you know, Opie Emmy Olegbaju, who just goes by Opie. <laughs> um, and I'm like, use your whole Nigerian name, man. <laughs> um, That's what I yell at Naomi sometimes. Oh, use yeah? your whole Nigerian name? Yeah, use yeah. your whole man. Nigerian name. Shut up, girl. <laughs> and tell me what name to use. She's the first of her name. Uh, unburnt. Um, unsunburnt, at least. Am I right? Hashtag melanin. Um, <laughs> how, no, no one has made the unsunburnt reference? Okay. So anyway, uh, what the heck was I talking about? Um, your friends, the people your you friend, had in Being the, the boss of your, of your friends. Yeah, well, you know, um, I do have to go. Well, ultimately, it's my, it's my call. It's my my say, my opinion, um, and that it is, quote unquote, my show. So my style, my tone has to be apparent. But um, so I never I'm going to let someone else, if you will, take over the voice of the show. But the whole point of having these people there 
is to collaborate on what that voice will be. It has to be, obviously, something I like. But if I like it and everyone around me also feels good about it, then it's just going to be the best situation. Because right. if I like it and everyone's like, mm, I don't know, and doesn't feel good about what we made, then that's tricky. Mm-hmm. So it's like remembering that we are ultimately trying to achieve a common goal. Now, just like I said with this whole thing about relationships, you know, your investment in that person become, can sometimes trump. I think in professional relationships, since we've all been socialized to compete, 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 there tends to be sometimes in a corporate or professional environment this fog of adversarialism. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Adversarialism. I get it. Adversity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's just an adversarial nature. Mm-hmm. Like Lucifer. Yeah. <laughs> like the ad- the true adversary. Like Lucifer. <laughs> true exactly. Adversary. Who is just basically like, I don't know, God, I think you should take another day. He's like, <laughs> damn it, Lucifer. Always questioning me. <laughs> All I've I'm heard the is, Beatles song eight days a week. <laughs> All I'm saying is maybe I should be in charge. Lucifer, that is it. One more time, and I'm going to throw you somewhere that doesn't exist yet. And that's um, improv. And that's it. <laughs> yes, and Lucifer was like, yes, and. <laughs> scene. Um, and Versario. Hey. And, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, and Versario. Uh, and, and we edit sours. The riff sours. <laughs> and that is when we go to commercial. Hey. Be right back. Gionda Familia, if you're looking for a fun, feel-good listening experience, check out our podcast, Hanging with Los Otelos. My name is Shaboy Edgar, and this is my beautiful wife, Janet. Hi, guys. We're a bilingual Mexican-American married couple with two beautiful young daughters. We're ready to fully expose our life, discuss relationship drama, yours and ours, and fill you with faith, encouragement, and laughter. Se va a poner bueno, so come hang out with us. Listen to Hanging with Los Otelos on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info, visit losotelos.com. Mama, Dada, I love it. And we're back. Hey. <laughs> the riff soured. We got a new riff. We went to the fridge. Hey, you know what? That's, that's my riffy huge... long stalking. <laughs> <laughs> You're both sick. You're uh, both sick and suffering. My huge fear is souring the riff. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the thing that I dread the most. What do you is... mean? What does that mean? Just like to take it too far? Uh, either take it too far, because I notice when other people take it too far, and I'm like, that was one too many callbacks, buddy. Or <laughs> uh, or just like everyone's having fun, and then I come in here with my shitty thing. That stops That it. just like kills it. it and takes I, the air out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm the, it's, it's my fault. Like when you're talking to your parents. Uh... <laughs> No, well, I mean, that's always going to be, that starts sour. Those riffs start sour, and then it's just like, do you want to make cheese out of them, or is it going to yeah. just, you know, yeah. turn into curds? Yeah, let it curdle. Uh, let it curdle. <laughs> Went straight into that metaphor. I liked it. I yeah. liked it. No, it's more, it's friends. You know, friends or colleagues. Yeah. Peers. Peers. We're like, everyone's having fun, and then I'm like, shitty joke, and then everyone's like, get this fucker out of here. Mm. <laughs> the nightmare. The yeah. true nightmare. Yes, the true. I, I understand that. Because sometimes I'll I'll err on the side of just silence. Oh, and that's then, neat. then I then it's like I'm not even there. Then why be there? I'm not <laughs> participating. Yeah, I'm so self conscious about what I'm going to say that I'm just going to not say anything. Yeah, I'm going to not participate in this situation. Was there a point in your career where you had the confidence and you no longer felt that kind of like where you're like, because I'm still not there where I feel like I just jump in and riff with some people. <laughs> I'm more like I'll be meek, and then I'll uh, I'll throw in a joke every once in a while when I'm like when my brain tips over into the like I'm like 75 percent sure that's good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a kind of I don't even know if it's a if it's a question about um, confidence as much as it's a question about trust. And I think that those things because I confuse them a lot, but the I think confidence is built slowly by trusting yourself little by little. So it's kind of like. In a conversation, you know, where people are, you know, riffing. So it's kind of like, I just, li- I, I'll listen. I'll try to assist, if you will, on someone's mm-hmm. riff until something I think is funny that is worth saying appears, but I'm not searching for it. I'm just kind of like, I got to trust that it's going to be there. I don't have to manufacture it. Right. I just have to like, if I listen, then I'll, I'll get there. Which is also kind of what the room was like, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Because especially with like new Negroes, we're talking about we're talking about some sort of issue. So everyone's got a different level of understanding about what it is. 
some people are very well read. Some people aren't. You know, we can do a little bit of research. I actually wanted to hire, have like a, a researcher that was like present, but it didn't end up working. Um, so maybe next time, if there's a next time. Uh, because who knows? But who knows? I said, yeah. who, who knows? knows? That's it. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Perfect example of what you were talking about. <laughs> I was trying to do like a word up. Ow. Yeah. Who like knows? How hey, knows? Um, wait, how did you and Mike become friends? Well, co-host of Mike Eagle yes. of the New Negroes. How did you become friends? Well, Famed we- art indie rapper. Mm-hmm. Open Mike Eagle. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, we met uh, at the, I think, the Meltdown Nerdist Theater um, during the uh, beatdown. I don't know if it was the beatdown or what, Eliza Skinner has a comedy rap battle. And I don't know if she ever did this ever again, but she did one where it was like duos battling, like teams battling. And so I teamed up with Kevin Avery, who was actually. <laughs> Um, the head writer, if you will. Yes, of, also of, friend of this show, Couples Therapy. Friend of this show. Yes, definitely. Um, and then my, I don't even know who Mike was with, but I remember seeing him, and he was he's an incredible freestyler. And I was like, who's this black comic I don't know <laughs> who's a great freestyler? So, of course, I made a point to talk to him afterwards. And turns out, real rapper. And so he gave me his album, and he gave me a compliment. He thought he said he said I was the livest on the mic that night. I think <laughs> we might have won. I don't remember. I was doing my old man character because that's even freestyling is also an issue about confidence versus trust. Uh-huh. Yeah, because yeah. it's like I'm not a confident freestyler because I don't trust that it'll happen. Because sometimes when I'm on the spot, I can't rhyme. But mm-hmm. if I'm not thinking about it, then I can. So mm-hmm. that night, I decided to just do a character and let the character be the voice, mm-hmm. and it ended up working. Just kind of always having this. Similar sort of, it was like an old band character. It's like, everybody knows it's the way to do. Everything's coming and you gotta go through. Don't you see it's me and I'm looking at you. I'm a mirror, you see it's true. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Can I wear this to the ball? I'm gonna get there with some alcohol. All my platforms looking very tall. Funk and guitar, bass and trumpet. That's how I'll do, cause I'm a strumpet. If I feel I have some tea and crumpet. Everybody knows that I'm here for jumping. Stuff like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Por ejemplo. Yes. Por ejemplo. <laughs> that. That. Um, so, <laughs> that's why I won. Um, <laughs> he gave me on the mic. He gave me his album, which was called, uh, at the, his album at the time, which was called Rappers Will Die of Natural Causes, which I immediately was like, what a funny, like, I immediately uh, was like, that's hilarious. What a hilarious title. What an interesting, because it also made me go like, that's true, like, Rap is always seen as a young man's game, you know, and it's been around for long enough now that, like, the people who originated rap are old. Yeah. Very old. Some of them have died. (laughs) You know, like, all of these childhood heroes are just falling like stars around us. (laughs) So it's kind of like, and then I listened to it and I thought it was very unique, very clever. I thought it was, um, you know, doing his own thing. It was his own style, his own voice. And when I listen to something that's unlike something I've heard mm-hmm. and I also enjoy it, that's how I know it's something that I need to stick with. Mm-hmm. So I was a fan of Mike's and then hit him up like, hey, man, I listened to your album, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we started talking and then we both at the time I had a podcast called Deep Shit and he had a podcast, uh, Secret Skin, and we did each other's perspective just because I thought he would be interesting to talk to, especially after listening to his music listening to the things he wants to talk about, the questions he asks himself or he asks of the world. So, you know, we ended up connecting on that level, found out we had a lot in common, you know, just about like how we were raised, even though we're, I'm from Vegas, he's from Chicago, and Chicago at least has an identity as a, as a city. <laughs> Vegas, Vegas is a city whose existence is literally every other city's existence. Not only other cities, other times. <laughs> You know, Vegas is Rome, it's medieval, <laughs> it's Paris, it's Italy, it's whatever you need us to be, as long as you're winning. But, like, outside of the Strip, right? Like, I, well, because the Strip, right? Because that's what I think of. When I think of Vegas, I think of the Strip. But then, obviously, if you live in Vegas, that's not where you are. So when, when, you're a, Vegas, when I think of Vegas, I think of being buried in a shallow grave in the desert. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Why? Because that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's mafia stuff, bro. <laughs> it was built by the mafia. It was. And now it's run by the companies. <laughs> I prefer the mafia. Um, 
But uh, a statement you don't hear much. <laughs> but maybe in Vegas, it might have been a better situation. Um, no, um, yeah, so just about like outside of the Strip, because so much of Vegas is built around the Strip. The Strip is the nucleus that keeps the mm-hmm. city alive. Yeah. So the rest of it can go fuck itself. It's just a oh, place yeah. for people to be that have to go work on the Strip. Of course, there are things that had to happen, like schools, you know, and <laughs> and just like parks, and just like it's it's a gigantic suburb now. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up there in the '80s, because also that transition from the mafia to corporations happened in like the '80s, so it's like the Vegas I was in had no kind of seediness to it that wasn't like you know no criminal element anymore, at least not one that was overt, open secret kind of style outside of the criminal element, open secret of any corporation in the United <laughs> States. Um, yeah, Wall Street, anybody? Yeah, the only difference, the difference is, is that the that corporations can at least have the laws changed to the way they want them to be, <laughs> so they're not breaking it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a giant suburb. I mean, Vegas was, it's just kind of, a, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. I hated it. I hated growing up there. Can I ask you a question? Yes. I find... Uh, adult male friendships, new yeah. adult male friendships, mm-hmm. to be tricky. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I I have a new friend. I think you do have a new friend. A new friend. It was really good. I was really happy. Naomi met him at, <laughs> at the the live couples therapy on Saturday. And we hung out. He came to the show. That's a friend. Someone who's like, I'm going to come to your comedy show. Yeah. There you go. Like, and wow. he's not a comedian. Right. Yeah. Like, wow. I was like, wow. Better. Exactly. So this this is what I th- was there a moment where you knew you and Mike were actual friends? Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know if I can pinpoint it, but it's just about, like, getting to a level of comfort and feeling like he will be honest. Mike is a pretty, you know, straightforward stand-up kind of person, but he's, you know, he uh, always is very considerate, so he always gives me a really good perspective on something. And and then he will also admit the things that he thinks that he does not know. So, like, him having that level of comfort with me to mm-hmm. to be vulnerable, if you will, that's kind of where I knew, I guess. But I don't remember like a, a exact moment as much as I, I just realized at some point we were used to talking to each other. We actually had a rhythm and a like a a patter, a rapport, if you will, a Colbert. <laughs> a, if you, a, if you a Colbert. Won't. You had a Colbert. Yes. Do you find it as someone who is, you know, you're friendly, you're a man about town. <laughs> do you find that there are people who are more attached to you than you are to them? Definitely. Definitely. What do I you mean, do with them? What do you do with them? Well, Shallow a, grave in the desert. Here's a weird tangent. Um, a friend of mine used to work for this guy at Harvard who's no longer at Harvard. I forget, I forget where he is now. He might be at Yale. His name's uh, Nicholas Christakis. Hmm. He wrote a book called Connected. This guy is a medical doctor and a PhD of sociology. So wow. he looks at the medical industry through the lens of sociology. Ooh. Can my parents adopt him? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's very, very, he's very, he's probably older than your parents. Um, if, if uh, I have no idea how old your parents are. They can brag about him at Temple. There you They'll go. Adopt They'll him. take him, uh, regardless of age. Yes, there you go. <laughs> they can brag about him, okay. Um, so his whole thing was about um, the beha- how our behavior influences other people in a medical way. That, like, if you, if you know someone who smokes, you're 33% more likely to smoke. If you know someone who knows someone who smokes, you're 11% more likely mm. to smoke. He, like, did metrics like that where he's like, if you know someone who knows someone, that does this, you're more likely because behavior trickles down. Huh. Right? Now, he had this other theory about um, super connectors. And uh, one of the reasons he, one of the things that he got this research was like some weird longitudinal heart study in Massachusetts in this community where people, not only did they have a physical, but they also, at the end of it, were asked to name two close friends. So then, these doctors could keep track of who people's friends were, mm-hmm. and then it seemed that people would be influenced by their friends. And of course, certain people would perceive someone else as a closer friend than um, that person might perceive the other, but it doesn't mean that they don't have influence. There are certain right. people that just become super connectors. People project a certain thing on them. Now, hubs. Yes, hubs, mm-hmm. basically. So my – that's right. They are uh, the uh, Hartsfield-Jackson uh, version <laughs> – the uh, the Denver the Delta the Detroit Metro <laughs> the Airport Chicago hair of friendships yeah. it's a mess but it's gonna get you where you're going <laughs> um so I guess in a sort of a way like I don't know because I'm still having a hard time because uh, 
I remember one time meeting a celebrity uh, I'll, movie star. I'll leave her unnamed. Mm-hmm. But Charlize she in- Theron. It was Charlize <laughs> yeah. Theron. Yeah. And she introduced herself. She's like, hi, I'm Charlize. Like, I didn't know who she was. <laughs> but that's, I remember this. It's not Charlize Theron. But I, uh, I remember meeting this person and it was funny to me because she doesn't know I've, she didn't watch me watch her movies. Right, right. She's just a human being, you know, who's like, when you meet someone, you say hi. Right. You know, say your so name. she was, she introduced herself to me like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should just be like, oh, hi, I'm Baron. Instead of being like, I know who you were. Like, there's a familiarity. Right. But that's kind right. of what can happen with celebrity mm-hmm. and with notoriety is you, that's how people become celebrities because we celebrate them. We know them. We exalt them. So it's kind of like, I don't have it to like a movie star's level. Uh-huh. There are certain people that I can tell. Like I'm, that's how I'm like. Oh, maybe I'm, I'm starting to, you know, be somebody in the game. <laughs> since people, I can feel like people are sometimes are like working me. Yeah, and that's another hard thing. I'm still trying to figure out like the, the difference between someone working me and someone who genuinely wants to know me. Yes, yes, that's very difficult out here. It's very difficult, and and this is why the boundaries are mm-hmm. becoming a thing. Boundaries 2019 because it's like. You know, people change and people grow and people have different priorities and all these different things happen. So it's like there are certain people who have shown it has become apparent that they are my good, close friends, Mm -hmm. that they are with me, will stick with me no matter what the hell happens. And I feel the same about these people. Now, does that mean I'm closed to new friends? No, but it means it's more difficult, especially because we're adults. You know, we still kind of all have the language of you're a friend, like from being a kid, being friends with the kid, which means they were there. You know, it's like yeah, proximity. Yeah. You're my best friend. You're mm-hmm. my next door neighbor or we're sitting next to each other in this class. Now we're best friends. And then you might hate each other, but you don't know that because you're kids. <laughs> I got into a fist fight once with a close friend of mine in uh, elementary school uh, about whether or not Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo was better. <laughs> Why was that a fist, fist fight? fight? What side of the argument were you on? I was on the Sega Genesis side. God damn it. We're going to have to have a fist fight right now. <laughs> Look, I went, uh, clearly Super Nintendo has better graphics. But when it comes to processing and <laughs> gameplay, my friend, when it comes to the speed and the RAM, and, the, and the, that's in fifth grade. Oh, God. And, and then I got punched. You're a Sonic stand over <laughs> Mario. I can't. No, I no, 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 no. abide that. Look, look, look the, time, the, the test of time has, has stood. Mario, clearly the superior character. Um, Sonic, <laughs> who knows? We'll see what that movie does. <laughs> let's play, let's, let's pit that movie versus the, the live Super action Mario Super Mario Brothers With movie. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Yeah, which one is more horrifying? And that will settle this. That's Super Mario. Time. That Super Mario one was really real dark. Yeah, real dark, really strange, real intense, unnecessarily so. Those are the movies. That's the era of movies where people were making remakes and just making video games or comic books into movies. That's such a traumatic time to nerds <laughs> that when things get remake, they that's where they go back to the worst possible. No. <laughs> God, is it going to be like Tank Girl, please? <laughs> oh, is it going to be like fucking Judge Dredd? No! <laughs> Don't let Joel Schumacher direct. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's such a trauma time, but like, that time is gone, guys. It's over. If people it's are over. adapting shit, they probably care about it. Yeah, be here now, guys. Let go of the past. That's right. That's Eckhart, what I'm saying. Pay your Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> oh, there it is. One too far. <laughs> Baron, thank you so much for talking to Are us. Are we done? <laughs> yeah, do you feel good? Do you have any final words on friendship? Oh. On either adult friendships, on your friendship with Mike, on being the boss of your friends, well, on you know, opening up opportunities friends. to black comedians the world over? I mean, the whole point of making the show The New Negroes is to bolster up people I like. I'm one of the few comedians that still likes comedians. <laughs> Not necessarily socially um, all the time, but I like stand-up. I like to see mm-hmm. someone who's good, um, who you know th- said something I wasn't expecting them to say, is a, is clever, has a good presence on stage. You know, it could be sometimes all those things in one place. But it's like I still enjoy stand-up comedy. I still enjoy the live experience of stand-up comedy, and so. It is like a weird thing to me because, you know, like we were talking about before about how this industry messes people 
up about what their actual worth is mm-hmm. because the people who make the decisions, it's all wrapped up in their worth too. Their right. instincts, their tastes are the things that gave them their titles, so they believe. Mm-hmm. But of course, taste and bias look very, very similar. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like hard to know who has the goods mm-hmm. and who is just right for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, many comedians that I love and respect um, have never gotten their shot or their due and have had to deal with that in all these various ways. But I look at it like if I can create a space to hold up comedians that I think are great that don't get to get held up as much mm-hmm. or just get kind of forgotten about or tossed aside or not just not seen for how good they actually are, then that's that that's it hurts me to see someone who I think is truly great to yeah. not yeah. be seen. But mm. I just also wanted you to, you know, talk about um just how much you like my set um on the movie goes. <laughs> Which will, you know, be airing this week. Um, um, not this week. Uh, wait, we record. Well, we come out. The week that this come out. Wait, 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 wait. What year is this? <laughs> is it- it's 2023. Oh. After Thanos <laughs> lost the glove, we're now Uh-oh. five years of the future. G-g-g-g-g-multiverse. Gamora. Yep, yep. Actual uh. line from the movie. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, yes, you're right. It will be this week. That would have been great. Why? Who was the screenwriter when Star-Lord sees Gamora? Why by the go... way, spo- who gives a Andy, shit? If you haven't seen spoil. it by now. Well, actually, um, uh, Yvette Nicole Brown last week or two, a couple weeks ago, <laughs> I remember she posted a picture of her in the movie because I didn't know she was in the movie until I saw it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, the, the spoiler ban has lifted. So it meant that like Marvel had a good week, two yeah. week ban on anyone that was in the film saying anything about being in the film. Yeah. And that's gone now. So yeah. it's kind of like, and as far as I'm concerned, Marvel has made they money. They made they money. So <laughs> literally tell everyone everything that happens in that movie. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> anyway. The screenwriter should have written a line for Star-Lord yep. when he first sees her again after she's died and now she passed Gamora's back. That, goes, just like that. Gamora. Yeah. Yep. Um, I love ending on that fact. On that real fact. That um, suggestion to the screenwriter is a mark. Oh, went too far for Andy. Hey, Baron, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, always a delight to see you. Always. Delight a pleasure and delight. Both. And everybody watching New Negroes, you know that. God, Fridays, 11 p.m., get together. Okay, guys. See you next week. Bye. My name is Kimberly Drew. If I've learned anything in my years of studying and uplifting black artists, it's that we all have the power to create something beautiful. That's why I'm pleased to introduce you to people who have broken down boundaries in fencing and helped to create the first ever smart store. They're a big deal, and it's time we give them our attention. Listen to Your Attention, Please, a Hulu podcast with iHeartRadio on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's inspired by Your Attention, Please, now streaming on Hulu. Watch for a fresh point of view on Black history. I'm Katie Couric. I'm Bozma St. John. I'm an award-winning journalist, if I do say so myself. And I'm a hot-to-trot, trailblazing marketing executive. (laughs) And we're very confident. (laughs) We wanted to combine Boz's business and branding expertise with Katie's natural curiosity to create a podcast responding to this moment in time. Welcome to Back to Biz with Katie and Bose. Each week, we'll interview innovators, creatives, and CEOs. To find out how our pandemic present will forever change the business of tech and media, travel and leisure, education and sports, fashion and pop culture. Because in many ways, this has been a really dark time, but it's also a time for reassessing, recalibrating, and finding the light. We're doing 10 episodes, and you can catch them every Thursday. So listen to Back to Biz with Katie and Bose on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com